Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. All right. Verse 14, Revelation chapter 14, we have another vision. I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle, and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in a sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Now, <clears throat> this, these three verses describe a person on a white cloud, which seems to suggest this same imagery of Daniel 7, 13, 14, when we studied that, we remember about the Ancient of Days describing uh, the Son of Man. And uh, I believe this to be the Son of Man. I believe this to be the Lamb of God. Yet, he acts as a result of the command of an angel. A lot of people, that, that throws a lot of people. Uh, uh, nearly, uh, oh, I'd say nine out of ten uh, uh, writers of which I've consulted uh, tell you that uh, this is not the Son of Man, that this is not Jesus, not the Lamb of God. If so, he'd be taking orders from an angel. And therefore, it's one like the Son of Man. See, now the Bible, the, the verse uh, says... One sat on the cloud like unto the Son of Man. It doesn't say that he is. See? It doesn't declare directly that he is the Son of Man. But you read Daniel 7, 13, 14, uh, and uh, you, uh, if you believe that that's the Son of Man over there, you're going to have to uh, almost believe that this is the Son of Man. And... Uh, well, uh, what's wrong? In the Bible, uh, uh, whatever God does, a lot of times, uh, uh, the, an event is accredited, attributed to an angel, and yet God did it, see? Uh, on the other hand, uh, the Bible uh, may, uh, will make the statement that God did so and so, see? And when in, uh, when in reality, the instrumentality of that performance, that work performed, or that deed, whatever it was, uh, will be attributed to an angel. See? So you have, uh, a close working relationship between God and his angels. 
And when it said that God does a thing, why, it, it may be that God, that the angel, uh, does exactly what God wants him to do. And God is speaking, uh, instrumentality. It's attributed to God, yet an angel just performs it, carries out. The power doesn't reside in the angel. The angel is simply the instrument. Uh, in whatever, uh, so, uh, that's uh, that's the way I understand it. If you uh, understand it, want to understand it, to uh, in the light of uh, some angelic being, uh, of course you have no. Uh, I mean, it's uh, uh, you would have to say that this son of man. However, uh, some people make it uh, make it ministers. Uh, those that uh, there are many postmillennialists, old line postmillennialists, uh, will have. Have you believed that uh, that this is the work of the church, see, and that the that it's a mission of the church to judge? You know that judgment's given to them, and and boy, uh, some of them have down through the history uh, have uh, liked to exercise uh, that power that uh, that they receive. They think from uh, this type of ministry, but uh, here. This angel says uh, to the one upon the clouds, white cloud, who had a sharp sickle, thrust in thy sickle. Put it into there. It's, it's ready to read. Now, uh, you'll notice that there are no words or no uh, symbol of, uh, of uh, no derogatory or no uh, no word or description that would place any in this list among the wicked. The, among the verse, among verse 11. The time has come for God to read. Well, we're going to read, here's another angel down here. Now the reason I point this out, because this other angel is going to talk about the uh, a judgment of the vine of the grapes of the vineyard of the wine press. All right. In the Bible, uh, both the resurrect the resurrection and judgment is described as the resurrection and the judgment of the just and the unjust. See. In other words, the day's coming when all that are in their graves shall hear the voice of the Son of God. Alright? Um, apparently, verse 14 and verse 16 is the reaping of God's own. Well, the reaping in verse 17 through 20 is the harvest of the wicked. Now let's notice, let's read that. Uh, and another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. That's all said. Verse 18 tells the action of another angel. Another angel came out from the altar which had power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him, that had the sharp sickle, saying, 
Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horses' bridles, by the space of a thousand six hundred furlongs, stadia, 184 miles, blood to the bits of the horses' bridles. Now, that's the entire length of the land of Palestine. Now, <clears throat> Revelation chapter 15, verse 1. Uh, before we uh, read verse 1, we hurriedly concluded the last uh, uh, verse. In fact, I don't even know where we read the last verse of the... 14th chapter, and the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse bridles by the space of a thousand six hundred furlongs. Yeah, I guess we did. But anyway, uh, according uh, to a literal uh, interpretation, you would have blood here uh, from four uh, to six, uh, to five feet high, uh, flowing in the valley of Megiddo from one end of Palestine to the other, 184, uh, 184 miles. And the city involved, uh, apparently is, of course, the city of Jerusalem. Uh, now, <coughs> the, <coughs> If um, if blood, of course, is that high and that wide, well, it's uh, it'd be a it'd be a lot of uh, it'd be a lot of slaughter. Now, <clears throat> now understand that this is not a past. We're not that's not history now, as far as the. Uh, book of Revelation goes. It's still a vision. It's still a picture. It's still something that's still future. And we'll come to that battle uh, later. Uh, so in chapter 15, I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. Now this verse tells us that uh, we're coming to the the finality, the end, the uh, the last days of God's wrath. Uh, and it, but it's last, relatively speaking, not last uh, abstractly or concretely speaking. It's not. Last in the sense of one, two, three, four, boom. Because, uh, 
Uh, if in the seven bold judgments you have the uh, the final uh, meeting out of the wrath of God, then you would have no wrath. Then uh, where would uh, the wrath of God be uh, when the Lord returns? See, when He gathers, when the kings of the world are united against Him, and the beast and the false prophet. You see, so it's not the last uh, uh, demonstration or the manifestation of the wrath of God. But it is the last of a series of judgments that God is, pour, is going to pour out on uh, the wicked prior upon those that worship the, the beast and his followers. Well, that's what we'll get into when we uh, uh, read chapter 16 too. Well, uh, so... Uh, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. In other words, it's it's the completing of the third series of sevens. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast. Now, the sea of glass uh, has been before us uh, in Revelation chapter 4, in verse 6. Uh, the... Uh, uh, evidently, from the Old Testament background, it is the picture, it comes from the picture of the children of Israel as they marched through the Red Sea. You know, the, the water on either side became a wall, solid mass, see? Uh, and, uh, and I'm talking about it, and it looked like glass, sea of glass. They were in the sea. And there was the water, uh, of course, just like ice on either on either side. But uh, whatever the expression may mean, uh, now the sea of glass uh, was a it was the foundation, or at least the children of God here now were standing beside it. Uh, it says upon them, see. Uh, I think in, uh, uh, in the King James translation, but, uh, we're going to see, he's going to describe the people that have gotten the victory on the earth. And he says, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, Stand on the sea of glass, having the hearts of God. Now, <clears throat> here is a picture, of course, that's still uh, prophetic, still in the future. Yet, it's a vision. And John sees what's the outcome, what the end is going to be. And because, you see, this is uh, those that have... Uh, gotten the victory over the beast, over his mark, the mark, the, the number of his name. Well, that beast hadn't been demonstrated yet. So, it, it can't refer to people in the past, uh, because the, the beast, uh, uh, will have, uh, have come, he will have reigned, he will exercise his authority, 
and uh, chapter uh, 17 and 18 must run its course before this becomes a a, a reality. See, in other words, uh, before it comes in its chronological uh, order. But yet, uh, here uh, uh, God is giving John a vision, uh, reassuring him again uh, that uh, that. God's people are not going to fall before the beast. Uh, that is, they're not going to deny uh, God. Now they fall. But now here we uh, here is uh, the idea that's hard to understand: how that people have gotten the victory and yet were put to death. See, evidently uh, these uh, 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 many of them are were slain. Why? Because they, the time had come when, uh, and in that day, it would be so marked that you're either on God's side or you're on Satan's side. You'll, you'll be, you'll be branded. And the brands, uh, will be, uh, evident both to the children of God and, uh, to the people of God. For in, in the Bible, you have, uh, seven, seven times you read about the brands, the mark. Uh, Satan has, as four different times, has referred to the mark, uh, his mark, on the foreheads of his people. And three times, the Lord uh, uh, makes reference to uh, his mark upon his people. But now here, it says, they have gotten uh, the victory over the beast, over his image. Now you see, in chapter 13, back in 13, this beast... Uh, appeared, and uh, he commanded the people to fall down and worship him. Uh, and uh, so, but remember, chapter thirteen is a parenthetical uh, portion. It's like uh, uh, I tried to explain. You know, uh, on our on our journey, we're standing by now and studying some events, some of the main themes, the main ideas, and events that will take place or we will see. Uh, but yet. Uh, have not come to pass in history. Now, uh, they also, uh, they were standing on or by the sea of glass, whichever preposition is, uh, more, uh, is preferable, yet having the hearts of God. Now, uh, in, uh, in the Bible, the 150th Psalm, uh, speaks, uh, about uh, God's uh, uh, the command to praise God, you know, upon the harps and stringed instruments and so on. Uh, so, uh, and they sing. Uh, this people that have uh, gotten the victory sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou king of saints, or king of ages. Now, <clears throat> how many songs did these people sing? Grammatically, the verse can refer to two songs. Song of Moses and the Song of the Lamb. Well, uh, yet, 
It was the Jews who sang the song of Moses. They sang a song because God uh, delivered them from the plagues of Egypt while at the same time pouring out his wrath upon the Egyptians. Now, <clears throat> this people is singing the song of the Lamb because God has preserved them from the worship of the beast while he was pouring out his wrath upon the worshipers of the beast. And in that, if, uh, and in that sense, they sing only one song. They sing the song of praise to God, just like the Israelites sang, uh, and they did that in, uh, in that's history, that's in, been years ago, you see. Well, uh, but both songs are songs of victory. Both songs are songs of praise. Both songs have the same, uh, same message because God saved them, delivered them, uh, and despite the, uh, the judgments, the plagues that fell on Egypt or the plagues that fall upon the earth. Now, uh, he's verse 4 uh, well the king of saints in the King James translation they say uh, far as translations are concerned they say that uh, would be better to say king of ages and you you may have a note in your set of reference there that indicates that but uh, verse 4 says who shall fear thee O Lord and glorify thy name for thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments or righteous acts are made manifest. Who shall not fear thee? Now, if this verse was taken out of its context, it would seem to indicate a universal uh, worship, universal salvation. Uh, for it says, Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. Now, of course, that uh, means, of course, people out of all nations uh, will come and will worship God. Uh, but uh, Colossians 1.20, I believe it is, and... Uh, uh, the one in Philippians, about every knee and every tongue shall confess, you know, and bow their knee. Uh, well, now, if you, if you stress that to universalism, uh, to the opposite teaching of the body of scripture, well, you would have that clashing. Same way with, same way with this. Um, but after that, I looked and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. Uh, back in uh, the last verse uh, of the uh, of the eleventh chapter, we had the uh, the temple of God. Verse nineteen says, "And the temple of God was opened in heaven, 
And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices, thunder, and earthquake, and great hail. Again, in that uh, uh, chapter, of course, that particular message the, is still, uh, it, it comes from a future scene. Yet, uh, there, when heaven was opened, they did see the ark of the covenant. Uh, now, here in this, uh, uh, in this verse, the temple of the tabernacle, that is, the testimony in heaven were open. That is two things. The tabernacle, uh, in the Old Testament day, uh, is uh, distinctly uh, referred to as a tabernacle of witness, of testimony. See, in other words, God speaking by it. And, uh, of course, the tabernacle uh, gave way to the temple after, of course, Solomon uh, built the temple. Now, the point uh, here is what he sees is, and seven angels came out of the temple having the seven plagues. And now then he describes the clothing of an angel. And it's the only time uh, in the Bible you'll find, uh, in Revelation, you'll find where the angel, the clothing, the attire is described. Very little is ever said about the clothing of angels other than that he was dressed in white, you know, in white apparel. Here, uh, the, uh, uh, it says that he was clothed in pure and white linen and having their dress girded with golden girdles. All right, now that's a dress, a description of, uh, of royalty and of purity and of priestly activity, being a golden girdle, see, and uh, pure white linen. Well, that was uh, uh, way, very descriptive of uh, the standing, the dignity of different kings, priests, and judges, and so on in, in the Bible. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels. Now this is one of the four living creatures. You know, they were, uh, some of the, one of the first that we noticed in chapter four. That the, uh, immediately after the four and twenty elders, we had the four living creatures. They are even standing closer to the throne of God than, uh, are pictured that way than the twenty-four elders. One of these creatures, angelic beings, uh, said, uh, gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials, bowls, full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. In other words, uh, here the eternal God, who, has, who, who lives forever and ever, gave to the angel seven bowls, and they in turn, uh, the beast in turn, gave the seven bowls to seven angels. And the temple, uh, and the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. Now, when you study uh, your biblical 
uh, history, you'll find that uh, when Moses finished the tabernacle uh, and, and set it up and built the uh, uh, built the fence around it, court around it. Why then they proceeded uh, to go into the temple, but yet they couldn't because of the the smoke or the glory of God that overshadowed it. Well, uh, in uh, in Isaiah uh, six four, uh, when Isaiah had that vision. Uh, he saw the glory of God. And in First Kings chapter 8, you have a, a story. Uh, when Solomon uh, was getting ready for the dedication of the temple, that the presence of God was there. Now, with reference to the first instance, and uh, with reference to Moses, when that presence, that smoke, that cloud represented the presence of God. And uh, that went in, that cloud uh, moved, well, that was indication for the tabernacle to move. And uh, when it stopped, well, they stopped. And they didn't move uh, until until the uh, God gave orders. Of course, now, uh, just what to what extent, uh, just uh, connecting the imagery back to history, uh, but now, chapter 15, with the eight verses, is the shortest chapter in the book of Revelation. Only eight verses. These eight verses uh, introduce the 16th chapter, the final, the, the bold uh, judgments. And uh, you'll notice that uh, uh, verse 1 speaks of the seven angels. Verse 8, the last verse, uh, we come to the seven angels. See, verse 1 again says, I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues. Well, now, it doesn't describe the seven angels. It, instead of describing, uh, in, referring to the seven angels, uh, it tells you about the people who were victorious, who, have, who had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image. And then, after it tells you about that, and then the vision and a declaration of their song, and you'll notice that uh, they sang uh, of, of God, that, uh, that he was the one who delivered them. There was no reference, no self-glory in that song. They never referred to not one time how they obtained the victory or how God enabled them to obtain the victory. Not one reference is made uh, to the means, the, the method uh, that was, if any was used here, for it just simply attributes all the glory uh, to God. And then in the final verse, then uh, we have uh, that no one, now you see, everybody was barred from the temple. There's nobody in it. Uh, because this last verse, uh, verse 8, uh, helps you understand the first verse of the 16th chapter. See, no man was able to enter into the temple 
till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. All right, now, if in the meantime we see anything in the temple or hear anything from the temple, it will not be because of a man, because no man was able to enter that temple, you see, until the plagues have been finished, until all this, until the bowls have been emptied. Well, <clears throat> that explains the first verse when he says, And I heard a great voice out of the temple. Well, now, this great voice is not some voice of some man, you see. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.